You see, passion is an emotion that needs to be acted upon to see a result. Now, if you're taking down notes this morning, write down the following. Passion is the fire for action. Now, just quickly, if you think about the world that we live in today, often passion is that one thing that we require to become the best at something, to achieve things like success or influence. You see, it's all good, well and good to have knowledge and no facts, to have resources, to be gifted or talented in a certain area. But if we don't carry a fire to act on that passion or something in our lives, that feeling of passion doesn't yield results. It becomes worthless. And just like over time, if our passion is not acted upon, it becomes weaker and weaker. And eventually, without action, our passions can become less and potentially die out. Now, if we think about passion in a practical sense, um, the first time we stepped onto the moon as a, as a people, as a race, it took more than just a scientist to go, geez, I'm looking at the moon. I would love to step up there one day. That scientist or that astronaut had to take that passion, put things into place to then create a vessel to carry us to the moon. And also, if we think about another guy we're familiar with, Elon Musk, you see, he's another passionate guy, but he also has all the resources available to him. And he was passionate to create the first commercial electric vehicle. But it took more than just his passion to create that vehicle, to produce this product. He had to act upon his passion to see that come into fruition. Now, I want to share a little quote um, that I've come across. And it was from a guy called William Ward. I'm not sure if you've heard of him before, but he was a missionary in the 1700s. And he summed up this whole theory of passion pretty well, or the effect of passion pretty accurately. He said... Enthusiasm and persistence can make an ordinary person superior, but indifference and lethargy can make a superior person ordinary. Okay, so as we continue on this morning, put up your hand if there's something in life that you are passionate about, something in life that you really like doing. Give us a show of hands so there's a few of us. I'm sure most of us in this place have something in life that we really like, that we love pursuing. And while we're on that topic, I'm going to share a bit about my passions in life today. So if you've known me or spent a bit of time around me, you know that I, I love surfing. Now, most of the time I go surfing, the waves are generally really good, and I surf them very averagely. Just because I'm passionate about surfing doesn't mean I'm great at it, but I love to step out. It's never too early or too late to go for a surf. It's never too hot or too cold. Um, other things I share a deeper passion for in life are things like my family, my friends, I share a really deep passion for my marriage and my wife. Now, I hope Penny's not listening, but she told me to say that with the promise of finally buying me KFC for lunch, so I'll keep you posted on that next week. Um, but there's something else in life that I really love, and that is something I guess most of you Australians have never heard about, and that is something in Afrikaans we like to call a lacquer braai. Now, a braai pretty much sums up a fire. So... If you've met a South African before or know South Africans in your life, you've most likely come across this word, braai. Now, if you look at this photo behind me on the screen here, that's me and my cousin. We're in the bushveld in South Africa around a nice braai. Now, I'm getting goosebumps looking at that photo because that to me is me living my best life. That to me is stepping out into my passion and pursuing, you know, sitting around a braai, spending time with family, I don't know what it is about a braai. It must be the South African DNA within me. But every time I think about having a braai, I get excited. I can't wait to get that fire lit. I like the whole process about having a braai. From 
the materials you need to start a fire, gathering the kindling, getting the right wood, getting the right materials, to putting it all together. So the structure of the fire, laying down the wood, the kindling, making a structure to make sure the fire can breathe, to then finally igniting the fire. Now, some people get pretty conservative when they light a fire, you know, safety first and whatnot. But take it from me. The best way to light a fire is using a little bit too much petrol. Now, you see, there's nothing better than pouring petrol on a, on a fire and seeing that, initial, seeing that initial spark take place. But the best thing about having a fire or having a briar that we all know is the results that we get. So once the briar is lit, we've gone through the action of preparing our fireplace, getting the wood, and that fire is ignited, we get to enjoy the products of our labor. You see, when I make a briar, I get to finally light the fire and enjoy the fruits of my actions. You see, that briar produces heat. And I'm not sure if you've ever noticed, heat's nice and warm. People like to gather around the heat, especially if you invite people around and you start a fire, you will soon find that everyone starts to gather towards the fire. And I don't know why, that's because we as a people are attracted to fire, attracted to heat. Now, the other product of, of a fire is a thing called light. You see, the fire illuminates. The fire is visible. When we walk away from the fire, we can come back exactly to where it is because we can see that spark in the distance. It's a point of reference. The other thing I like and enjoy about fires is we can cook our meat, cook food on it, and we can also use it to dispose of rubbish, dispose of waste, and use it for many useful things. But the one thing about a fire that's not so enjoyable is if you get too close to it and you're not careful, you can get burnt. But the thing about my passion for having a briar is it doesn't matter how many times I get burnt, it doesn't stop me from coming back to enjoy everything I receive from that fire. Now, that one brings me back to the point I made earlier. You see, passion fuels fire for action. Now, if we look at this very basic example of starting a briar, or a fire, you can see that I acted upon my passion to start that fire in my life, but I also got to reap the benefits of my actions. You see, that's enough about me talking about my love for a briar, my love for starting a fire, but I quickly want to touch on a fire in life that really matters, and that is the spirit of the spiritual fire for Jesus that we carry inside of us today. Now, before I go on, I think it's important that we understand that passion is not a state of mind, but it's a state of heart. See, passion influences your actions. Now, passion comes from our heart. It's that internal fire. It is that internal drive that motivates us to first identify the purpose that God has for us, but then it's also that fire that fuels us to pursue that passion. Now, if you paid attention earlier, though, you'll realize that before you can start a fire, you need the right materials. So fire doesn't just start naturally. And if we think about that in a spiritual sense, we need three keys to start a spiritual fire. So if you're taking notes, write these three things down. Firstly, we need ourselves, so you need you. Secondly, God and Jesus. And thirdly, the Holy Spirit. Now, if you look in our Bibles, we can see that Luke 3.16 says, I baptize you with water, but the one more powerful than I, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now, if you think about that a little bit more, I believe what John is telling us here is that on that moment where we become baptized in the Spirit, that moment we invite God into our lives or Jesus into our hearts through repentance, God becomes the source of our spiritual fire. The Holy Spirit, which He imparts to us by His grace, 
ignites or fills that spiritual fire in our hearts. And it's by that that we can use God's passion for us, the fire of the Holy Spirit in our hearts, to pursue and to step into everything that he's called us to be. Now, once you put all the materials for a fire together, and that spiritual fire starts to burn upon your hearts, slowly with the fire, as you stoke it and feed it, the fire gets larger and larger. And that's the same with the passion that we carry for Jesus. As soon as we start fueling that fire, fanning that flame, we start to see the effects of that fire working out through our lives. Now, if we think about, just back to the briars talking about before, the first thing is we start to produce a heat, a spiritual heat. And like I said, people are attracted to heat, attracted to fire. So through the spirit of passion that we carry for Jesus and acting out the purpose he has for us in our lives, people start to notice that. People start to gather around that because they can see there's something different on you. You carry something different that they want. The second thing about a fire is, is it starts a light. When we invite Jesus into our hearts, we start to carry the light of him into our communities, into our schools, into our workplaces. It says in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever walks with me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. But also for us as Christians, if we carry the fire of the Holy Ghost in our hearts, it will always direct us back to Jesus. That flame, that spark will give us a reference point back to God. So we can walk in life, face times of trial, come against tribulations. We can make mistakes and make so many sins and stumble so many times in our faith walk. But if we turn back to God through repentance, the flame of his spirit will always redirect us back to God, his grace, his forgiveness, and the promises that he has for us in his word. And now like a briar, the spiritual fire inside of us also produces or burns. It produces a purification process. We can use that fire to deal with brokenness and dead things in our life. And as soon as the spirit, the Holy Spirit starts to awaken in your heart, the first thing he'll start to do is deal with the dead stuff that you're carrying. He'll start dealing with all the baggage that you might have. So things like hurts, brokenness from previous relationships, a sinful nature, things like pride. The Holy Spirit will start to deal with these things. And just like a fire can burn, this process can be painful. It can hurt. But just quickly, if we think about nature, sometimes wildfires, you know, we see it on the news sometimes, but wildfires are required to burn through dead grass, to burn through dead um, undergrowth in forests, to spark a new life of regrowth, to spark new life, to, sorry, to kickstart new life. And just like that in your own lives, when the Spirit starts working on those dead things in our heart, on the other side of that pain lies restoration, lies healing, and lies new life in Jesus Christ, set free from those pains and sufferings that we had before we met him or that we can leave at his feet. Now, if we look back at Romans 12 verse 11, if we can have that back on the screens, um, I won't read it out again, but in that passage, God's telling us, He's calling us to be a passionate people about Him. He's calling us to be passionate about stirring up the fire of the Holy Spirit within us. Because when we do this, church, as I mentioned before, our actions, our outwardly expressions of the faith and what we carry inside of us starts to become noticeable. It starts to affect the world and the people around us. Now, people are attracted to fire. And I'm not sure if you've listened to some preachers before. You might have heard some of them say, if you set yourself on fire, people will come to watch you burn. And now please sit down. I'm not asking anyone to go outside and light themselves on fire. I'm no medical doctor, but I'm sure you'll sustain, first of all, some pretty gruesome injuries. And secondly, 
none of us really want to see that. We, you know, we love you too much. But what I mean by that is we as a people for God need to be so on fire for the call that he has for us, so passionate about him that people start to gather around. Because when that happens, people will start gathering around the church because they know at one heart there's something powerful happening. Lives are being changed. When we are so on fire for Jesus, people will start encouraging their kids to come to One Youth because they know that young people's lives are being dramatically changed and impacted when they come and gather in this place. And that will lead me on to the second point I want to make this morning. I can just turn my page over. Now, I referred earlier to passion as an emotion that requires action. You see, God didn't give us passion or intend for passion to remain something static, something that remains the same. But like a fire, when a passion is ignited within you, it can either be grown, spread, or like a fire, if you don't feed that passion, it can go out. So it's up to us as Christians and believers to find our passion, stoke our passion, feed our passion, enlarge our passion to make sure that that spiritual fire that gets lit upon our hearts when we invite Jesus into our lives doesn't go out but gets bigger and bigger. Now, there are many things in life that I've experienced that come across our way to try and suppress our passions. Now, if you're taking notes, I like to call these things passion assassins. So yeah, passion assassins. Have, have any of you ever seen a passion or an assassin in real life before? No? That's probably because they don't want to be seen. You know, like I call these things passion assassins because they're not the obvious things in life that will trip you up. They're the little things that will be sneaky. They'll disguise themselves. They'll, use, they'll be in the background, operate behind other things, all to try and fool you from knowing that they're there and recognizing that they're having an effect in your life. Now, some passion assassins that we can come across during our walk of faith are times of hardship, difficult circumstances, a lack of time, big one in our life that we live today, busyness, familiarity, complacency. All those things are things I like to call passion assassins. But the thing about a passion assassin is the passion assassins that come and try to steal my passion might not be the same as the ones that are operating in your life or the enemies using against you. You see, the passion assassins that are having an impact in your life might never be the same as the person next to you. Because passion assassins, they like to hide their identity. But the main mission, the main goal of a passion assassin in your life is one goal and one goal only. And that is to not just steal your passion, but to plant a seed of apathy in your life. Now, if we think about apathy... Do you guys know what apathy means? It is the complete opposite to action. You see, apathy is a lack of enthusiasm or a lack of interest towards something. But the thing that makes apathy really dangerous in your life is, like passion, it's not a state of mind, but it's a state of heart. You see, if we start developing ap apathy in our hearts, we start walking in a lack of interest, a lack of enthusiasm for the call of God upon our lives. Now, when we start to lose passion and apathy creeps into our lives, we can start to lose our perspective, we can start to lose our vision, and ultimately we can start to lose focus of the things of God upon our lives. Now the point I want to make here today is that the devil is very interested in your passion. You see, he notices when your passion starts to dwindle. He can see the spiritual fire that you carry for God upon your hearts and in your lives, and as soon as he sees that fire start to lose its intensity, he knows that those passion assassins that he's brought across your way is starting to compromise your passions. And now the reason I'm saying that is because the devil loves nothing more than an apathetic Christian. 
Now, the reason I say that today is that because he knows, the devil knows our passion fills the fire for action in our spiritual lives. And apathy reduces that passion. So out of that, the passion and the fire for us to step into our purpose, to activate the gifts that God has imparted, the gifts of the Spirit God has given us, the passion of fire to love each other, encourage each other, to serve in the church, that passion becomes less intense um, when apathy develops in our hearts. Now, if we don't recognize passion assassins in our lives, and we don't start to come against apathy in our hearts, we run the risk as Christians to essentially extinguish the passion which we have, which was born in us when we accepted Christ into our lives. Now, I don't know about you, but out of my own strength, to keep my passion going for God and to keep the Holy Spirit of fire or the spirit of uh, the fire of the Holy Spirit going within me, out of my own strength would be impossible. You see, I need access to the right tools, the right gadgets to not only notice a passion assassin when it's coming against me, but also to be able to fight it off and eventually overcome it. But don't we serve a good God, church? You see, we serve a God that's passionate about His people, that loves His people, that wants to prosper His people. And through that and by His grace, He has given us all the tools and gadgets we need and he's even summarized it for us. He hasn't given us 12 books or 12 novels. He's given us one book and one guide to look to. That's his living word, the Bible. You see, in the Bible, God gives us these gadgets and tools to fight against our passion assassins. And I like to call these things the fire igniters. Fire igniters, things and tools that we can turn to to reignite our passion and stir up the fire of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. Now, the first fire igniter I want to talk about today is repentance. And I've got Revelation 2, verse 4 to 5 there. Read that in your own time. But ultimately, when you feel that your passion's being tested, the fire of God upon your life, the enemy is coming against that, God calls you to turn back to your first love. He's calling you to turn back to Him in repentance. And by that, we let God come in to deal positively with those negative emotions like apathy, um, familiarity, pride, jealousy that have established in our spirits. God can come in and deal with those things in a positive way. The second fire igniter, and probably the most powerful one, is prayer. You see, when we feel attacked in the spirit, when our passion's getting challenged, all we need to do is let God be our strength. Turn back to Him in prayer. Ask Him, Jesus, give me the wisdom. Give me the knowledge to identify a passion assassin in my life. Give me the power, the persistence, the strength to overcome these power assassins so that I can be set free. But church, another important thing about prayer I want to touch on this morning is if you've been baptized in the Spirit and you've received the gift of tongues in your life, I want to encourage you, activate that gift, activate that. Because when you speak in tongues, you're awakening your spirit. You're speaking out of your spirit, and God is spirit. And when you speak out of your spirit, you speak directly to God, and by a divine supernatural connection, you are in direct conversation with Jesus. But the other thing about speaking and praying in tongues and making that a daily habit is it makes us as Christians more aware of the indwelling presence and the fire of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. So church, turn to prayer to ignite your passion. The third thing is activate your spiritual gifts. Serve wholeheartedly. If you look at Romans 12 verse 6 to 8 or 2 Timothy 1 verse 6, it says that when we stir up or activate our grace gifts in our lives, we start to rekindle, we start to refan the flame of the Spirit in our hearts into a blazing fire. And from there, we reawaken our passion. 
that passion fuels the action for us in our spiritual lives. And once again, we start pursuing the call of God upon our lives. We start pursuing the purpose which he has given to us in a new refreshed way. Now, the third thing about a fire igniter or the fourth fire igniter, sorry, I want to share with you today is gather around people of passion. Now, there's some scriptures down there, Hebrews 10, 24 to 25, or another familiar one, Proverbs 27, verse 17, as iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. When you are feeling like you're being challenged in your spirit, when your passion for the call of God upon your life is dwindling, or if a passionate assassin's coming against you to creep and take away that flame, gather around people that are passionate for God. Gather around people who are carrying the flame of God upon their lives to encourage you in word, to inspire you, because God calls us to gather together. You see, when we do so, when we gather around people who carry fire upon their lives, fire spreads, fire is infectious. You see, when we get around people who carry the fire, that little flame, that little dwindling ash upon our hearts starts to reignite. It starts to spark again. And the more we gather around these people, the more we feel encouraged, the more we spend time in God's Word, the more we spend time in prayer, that fire starts to be reborn. And through that, our passion gets reignited and we get to step back into the purpose God has for us. Now, church, it's a pretty short, pretty practical message this morning, but I want to encourage you today. Understand your purpose, and then once you get an understanding of your purpose, continually pray, seek God to fuel that passion, to fuel that fire, to fuel that flame. And as I said before, let your passion become the fuel for your action. Because when we let our passion become the fuel for the action in our spiritual lives, God can start using that passion as a tool to do extraordinary things through us and in our spiritual lives. So as I close this morning, I'm just going to pray for us quickly. So if you don't mind, you can raise your hands or stand up if you like. But I just want to pray, Jesus, Lord, I pray, Father, that we leave this place today with a refreshed passion to serve, to identify and fulfill the purpose that you've called us to, Lord. Lord, I thank you, Father, that you've given us the tools. You've given us all the gadgets that we need to overcome any, anything the enemy has thrown against us. Lord, I thank you, Father, that you've given us your spirit by grace, Lord. I thank you that you love us and want to prosper us as your people. Lord, and I just feel, Father, that everyone's hearts are open here today to receive a new, refreshing touch from your presence, Lord. Lord, I pray, Father, that we can leave this place carrying your light into our communities, Lord. And as we do that, Father, I pray that we see people's life changed and people's lives impacted by the goodness and the love that you have for them. Amen.